white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice like many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he placed his right hand upon me and said, Do not be afraid, I am the first, and I am the last. I am the living one, I was dead, and look, I am alive forever and ever, and I have the keys to hell and death. That's Revelation 1. That really stirred me when I knew that, that God was like that. God to me is Abba. He's my Father. That's my revelation of who He is because that's who Jesus said He came to reveal. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So at this time in my life, I culminate the presence. I culminate the intimacy by spending time with Him. That's where, that's, where the, uh, that's where we get revelation of the goodness of God in our lives is when we spend time in His presence. Without spending time in His presence, you can't hear His voice. All right, so most of the time, I'm pretty much like this. This is how God responds to me. I won't work for you. <laughs> but that's just me because I, I, I know where the Lord pulled me from. And I know you know where he's pulled you from because many of you will have similar stories to me. So we all have a testimony. And your testimony counts. You're, you're not here by random act. You're here by divine appointment. All right? you, you've not only honored this house, but you've honored God for coming here today. When you woke up this morning and you had the very breath of life, God has given you another opportunity to go and make him known. All right? So we come in here as a family, right? We celebrate life, and then we come to worship, as you just heard before, but God doesn't listen to songs. He's not moved by songs. Songs don't move God. God's moved by worship. He said, enter into my courts with thanksgiving and with praise. When you see little kids in the front here dancing and singing and jumping up and down, a habitation of God's presence is here. It's tangible. God wants to inhabit. He doesn't want to just visit we pray these soulish prayers all the time. You know, God opened the heavens, but the heavens are open. We're saying, Holy Spirit, come. He's come. <laughs> and He wants you to, right? He wants you to know your identity in Christ as that, as of a son, right? The whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And if you don't know who your identity in Christ, your angels are asleep. <laughs> it's true, the angels are like this, because they only hearken to the sound of the sons of God who have the word of the Lord. So what the Lord has said to us is He's made us to be kings and priests, co-laboring, co-heirs, seated with Him in heavenly places. So God would catch us up into the very throne room by faith to show us what was, what is, what is to come. Thus saith the Lord by the spirit of prophecy, not the gift of prophecy. So we can mandate and legislate the word of the Lord for every sphere of influence, when we're walking on this earth, we don't have to wait. We're co-laboring and co-partners with Christ. Yeah? But you've got to know who your identity is. So please stand up for me because we're going to make some noise. When Jesus came, he put on notice the principalities and the rulers in high places. And the mystery that we're going to declare that Christ is in us, the hope of glory, and that we are the sons of God. 
We've got eyes to see what God is doing in heaven. We've got ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. So I want you to put your right foot of authority forward and place a stance. I want you to put your right hand into the air. All right? And I'm going to say, we decree. You go, we decree. All right, here we go. We decree. We declare. We have eyes to see. In Jesus' name. We decree. We declare. We have eyes to see. In Jesus' name. We decree. We declare. We have eyes to see. In Jesus' name. Now, some say that they can see, but it's not just enough to see. You have to be able to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. So, right foot of authority forward, hand in the air. We decree. We declare. We have ears to hear. In Jesus' name. We decree. We declare. In Jesus' name, we decree, we declare, in Jesus' name. Now here's the mystery, that we are the sons of God. We decree, we declare, we are, we are, we are the sons of God. We decree, we declare, we are, we are, we are the sons of God. We decree, we declare, we are, that we are, we are, the sons of God. Amen. Take a seat. The whole of heaven took notice, all right? It says, this just really wrecked me when I learned that God was into books. <laughs> There's many books in the kingdom of heaven, right? But this book in Malachi 3.16 really ruined me because when I woke up one morning, the Lord said, tell me a story, Hey. Eh? Tell me, tell your story? God goes, yeah. Do you remember? Do I remember what? He goes, do you remember? Everything. Yeah, I remember. It says that there was a book of remembrance open in the presence of the Lord who thought and meditated upon his name. He writes their name in his book. So I want to tell you, I just want to encourage you, when you wake up in the morning, if you wake up, if you have another opportunity at life, start to have a conversation with Abba. And start to remind him of his faithfulness and his goodness towards you. And this is, this is what I learned at a, at, a, at a very young part of my uh, journey in the Lord, because life is a journey, was when I started to intercede for others, he brought hope upon my life. You know, I love to tell other people's stories, because I know my story so well, but when I can tell you stories upon stories about the goodness of God, working in and through people, just like you and I, just normal people. Jesus didn't come for the titles of men. He didn't come for the praise of men. And it looks like he's really angry, right? And John, and he starts to overturn the tables. He says, get out. You make my father's house a den of thieves. You know what happens after that? It says the lame and the blind came into the house and they healed him. Supernaturally, no one touching anybody. When the presence of God is in here, don't have to look to the man for your healing. Go straight to the source. So if you, got, if you need healing today, you just need to reach out, miss out the middleman, go straight to the source and ask by faith. It's by faith that, that, that we receive. He said, you can have what you pray for if you believe and doubt not in your heart. If you incline your eyes and your ears to my words and my sayings, don't let them part from the midst of your heart. You can say to the mountain, be you removed and it has to obey. So what's the law of confession? What do you believe? You know, Jesus just came out of the desert and he was tempted and tested just like you and I did. And when these pressures came up, he said, it's written. 
It's like sowing a seed. He said, do you believe you could grow that without putting your seed in the ground? Because most of us daily just dig the seed up because we don't believe God to see if the harvest is going to grow. And any farmer will tell you, you can plant a seed 365 days a year, and if you dig it up, you're not going to grow what you've planted. Farmer knows if he plants bananas, he's not going to get apples. So what are you planting and what do you believe in? Don't play with unbelief. Believe and trust in God. All right, and keep keep over uh, uh, sowing scriptures out until you see the breakthrough. Not looking to the things that are seen, but looking to the things that are unseen. Unseen, because that's where it is. It's the spiritual. That's the promise. Not being carnal, looking at the th- things we can see, feel, touch, and taste. I want to tell you, I'm challenged in ministry. I'm very challenged. I've just come back from three and a half months in the Middle East. I shared some stories last night about overseas, but we have just as many important stories here in New Zealand. I came to a church in South Auckland. I was flying out to North Korea. We came to the church, and the church is locked. It's amazing that churches are always locked, but I understand they have sound systems and everything. But there was a homeless man. He had smelly clothes and his blanket, and was crashed out in front of the church doorstep. And it was quite uncomfortable for the pastor because he had to jingle his keys to get his attention, right? To make him move. I could smell the stench of this man far off. And he kind of like moved his stuff away and we walked into the church. And we did what we just did here this morning. We had a little karakia, a little prayer. And then as I had my eyes closed, oh, I could smell the stench standing beside me. And this big man standing beside me and I had an opportunity. I put my hand on his shoulder. He goes, Bro, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I said, sorry, cuz. He goes, oh, I don't let people touch me. I said, do you come to these places often? He goes, yeah, I like to come early. All right, but he was homeless. He said, uh, I come to hear of a man who has a similar story to mine. I had really nice clothes on. And uh, I said, did you believe I'm that man? And he looked me up and down. He goes, and he wasn't convinced. But anyway, um, told me a little bit about his life. And uh, as I was waiting to, to take the pulpit and, and, and minister, I usually like to pray before, you know, the days before, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? But anyone can tell you who's into, uh, who, who speaks all the time that God can change anything at the last minute. So I'm sitting there and saying, Lord, is this what you want me to speak on? He said, no, I don't want you to speak on that. Oh, what do you want me to speak on? He said, Mark, the homeless man. Oh, what about Mark? And he said, if you just look with your eyes, he brought a guitar with him today. He brought a guitar and he goes, yeah, he's got a song in his heart and he wants to sing it to me. Who am I hearing from? Jesus. Jesus who? (laughs) There's a lot of Jesuses out there, right? Jesus who? The Son of God. I knew the Lord was speaking to me. So I I took the stage and as I was watching this man sitting on the, I invited him to sit up the fire and right inside over here. And uh, I said, listen, I just had a conversation with a man who's just moved my heart and told me stories similar to mine, and I'm, I'm very moved by some of the things he shared. And I said, Mark, I don't mean to put you on the spot, brother, but God tells me you've got a song in your heart, cuz. You want to come up here and sing it. You know, this man was so embarrassed, right? His hands went over his head. And he's going, Aah! I'm going, Whoa. <laughs> Lord, what do I do? And he said, no, he's got a song. Tell him to come. I said, no, nah, bro, come up here, cuz. Come and sing a song. So a big man, he got up off the chair and he walked up on a stage like that, looked at the people, just like 300 people, and he looked out, make sure no one was laughing, and he sat down on the seat. Maldives can play, you know, and Islanders too. And he started to play a tune. I wasn't prepared for what he was about to, to, to worship. 
In Psalm 51, when David had a affair with, with Bathsheba, he, he, he spoke, he said, Create in me a clean heart. Right, don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take the Holy Spirit from me. And this man had a, had a voice. I know you guys, you know, you know that song? Because there's an anointing on that song. I want to sing it because I tell you, God heals the brokenhearted. Let's sing it. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away. Cast me not away. From thy presence, O Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. By that time, I'm wrecked. I'm a train wreck. I'm on the stage. My hands have gone up in the air like this. And I said, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me that thinking this was all about Owen Pomana, they came to listen to a testimony about me. But when your heart is turned to this man named Mark, the homeless man who turns up on the church doorstep, who can't even get into the house of the Lord, I repent, Lord. I said, forgive me. Now this man who was highly you know, irritated that I touched him on his shoulder sees me crying. <laughs> He's come up to me now. He goes, he's all right, cuz. I was going, yeah, bro, I know it's all right, brother. Thank, thank you for ministering to me. And uh, now he's given me a cuddle and a hongi. And I said, Lord, give me a word for this, brother Mark. He said, tell Mark if he's heavy burden laden down with sin, he said, come to me and I'll give him rest. I said, brother Mark, the Lord will give you rest, bro. You come to him. And then they said, uh, this is the promise of God for you, brother. He said, he won't take the Holy Spirit from you. This is his gift for you. He loves you so much. And as he went to sit down, I, I was stood on the stage here. I can't see the 300 people because the fear of the Lord was upon me. And I'm about ready to fly to North Korea. And I just stood there. It was a moment in my life where the, the fullness of God's presence was tangibly habitating and rearranging everything about who I thought I was. You know, sometimes we think it's about us, but it's not about us. It's about others. God wants you to be able to, to put on Christ. I used to pray this prayer, I must decrease so you can increase. I must decrease so you can increase. And the Lord said, no, I don't want you to pray that prayer. You must disappear so that I can appear. <laughs> it's not a bad prayer, eh? Hey? We've got to disappear so that Christ can appear. Do you know that nobody's going to come to Christ if they see, don't see the fruits of Christ in you? That's why you must spend time in His presence and culminate the love and the compassion that it is so you can see through Christ's eyes. I stood on the beach in 2007. It was a prayer. Most of you have prayed, and I said, God, if you're real, help me. I had a 45 caliber handgun in my pocket. I was head over heels in sin and sickness. I got my brother down over here, Malcolm, and Malcolm was there right at the very start as I was living with the national president of the Banditos. He was right there at the very start. I was amazed that he'd turn up today, brother. It's such a blessing to see you. We have another cousin friend of ours that's never made it, and he was around about the same time. But however, I went from darkness to darkness to even darkness, isn't it, brother, over my 12-year journey. And um, as if you were here last night, you saw that God sent a, a man of God called Pastor Ken, you know, to reach out to me. 
And he demonstrated that love, right, by just becoming my friend. And uh, because I didn't understand the language of the Bible, even the words, it was just a book full of words, he demonstrated that Bible by taking me out into the streets and showing me Jesus' heart for people. And I captured it with my eyes and with my heart because I saw the evidence of that book living in them. All right, And I was moved, I was challenged, and I had many questions. You know, I was looking up at the clouds like that because that's where I believe God lived. And I believe many people do. Right? They look up there and they go, God, if you're real, that was my prayer. If you're real, help me. It doesn't have to be a, a religious prayer. Even in Psalm 107, it says they were gathered like prisoners when there were no one, none to save them. And they were bound in affliction and chains and then they cried unto the Lord. It says they cried and they cried and they cried all the way through that, that passage of Scripture. And then it says, He heard. So God hears, he's close to the contrite and the broken spirit, right? That's going to be your, your, your greatest areas of victory are the places that Jesus has brought you out of. There's an anointing on your life for breakthrough when you are able to testify where and when God has taken you from, whether it's been uh, uh, having a look at um, uh, what are you, ending your life, what are you, suicide like I had many times, drug addiction, brokenness, rejection. Your greatest areas of defeat will become your areas of victory in Christ. Yeah? So you must put on Christ. So anyway, when I went to sit down in my back pocket was a little book that a friend gave me. And um, I pulled it out and I remember because he used to turn up my place to smoke drugs. But anyway, when he turned up one time, he said, I'm not coming to your place ever again. I said, why not? He said, you're going to laugh at me, but I'm going to church. Well, I did laugh and said, what's up with that? And he goes, I got you a gift. I thought he was going to give me some cocaine, but he gave me a little Gideon's Bible. And uh, so I looked around again to make sure that no one was watching because you don't want to be caught speaking to God, right? Especially you've got a gun in your pocket and you're on drugs. And uh, so I said, God, I'm just going to open this. Can you speak to me? So I, I know none of you have done this, right? Just open the book up and go like that. <laughs> I've done it many times. Open the book up like that and put your finger there. But I put it on this, Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you, O Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't even know what a rod and staff is, right? But I was definitely walking through dark valleys, facing imminent death by evil people. And uh, as a result of my wrathful life, I, uh, I, I got into debt with some, some, some heavy players in Melbourne, and they sent men to kill me. And uh, as a result of doing some, some, some very hard, heavy debt collecting and robbing drug dealers, I was beaten and bashed by the Hells Angels. There were five men with steel hammers. They put me in hospital. And uh, when I got out, I wanted revenge. So I was planning to blow up a whole chapter of Hells Angels. I was just waiting for some C4, some syntax, and some really nasty hardware to come. And I was going to take care of these people. So I locked myself in a room for seven days until I was insane. The demons speak to you when you're insane. Most people who don't even know Christ know that the devil's real. And um, anyway, um, God sent this man of God to me. When he turned up on my doorstep through a friend of mine, my friend was so uh, angry at Pastor Ken, as I was sharing last night, they're having an argument in the car and Pastor Ken's driving. And uh, Bruce says, stop the car. So he stopped the car and he goes, get out. And Pastor Ken said, Bruce, it's my car. You get out. So I, as he gets out of the car, he's really annoyed. A magpie swoops down and starts to pick his ears. And he's going, make the bird stop. Make the bird stop. <laughs> and uh, he goes, get in the car, Bruce. So 
Bruce was, uh, he was annoyed at Pastor Ken. He thought, well, I want to take him over to Owen's place. And um, he's going to get a punch in the nose. I'm going to see if he can preach Jesus to Owen. Now, I want to tell you, this is going to happen to you. God's going to take you to places of men and great darkness, and he's going to use you. Pastor Ken had the word of the Lord in his mouth, and he wasn't afraid. So he comes to him, um, telling Pastor Ken about my life. So Pastor Ken said, oh, please take me to see him. So he comes to my place. Bruce knocks on the door. I answer with my gun. As I look out the door, I see this man sitting in his car. I said, who's that fellow sitting in your car? He goes, Pastor Ken. What do you mean, pastor? He's a preacher. Does he want to come inside and have a puff? He goes, what would he come inside and have a puff for? I said, I don't know, Bruce. What do you come to my place for? And uh, anyway, he goes down the back to smoke some pipes. And I'm looking out the window. I've got, to, I've got to try and think what this guy is here for. So I opened the door up and went, hey, come up here. All right, and he got out of the car and he started to walk up the stairs. I've got a gun in my pocket. I'm smacked on crack and... He knows my name. He goes, Owen Pumana, is it? I said, yes, my name. He said, son, I heard a lot about you. I said, yeah, what have you heard? He goes, boy, you can't sleep at night and you're in a lot of trouble, which is true. I said, well, are you a preacher or something? He goes, yeah, I'm a pastor. I said, hey, pastor, I don't mean to be rude, but what do you want? What did you come here for? He said, don't be, uh, he, 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 he said, don't be alarmed, but son, I'll come to pray for you. I started laughing. I went, hey? And he goes, yeah, I'll come to pray for you. Pray about what? He said that you'd have an encounter with Jesus. I said, mate, I think you're a crazy man. You want to come inside and smoke some crack? He goes, I'm not coming inside to smoke crack. Come on, let me pray for you. What have you got to lose? I said, I've got nothing to lose. Go on then, crazy man. Pray for me. Never mock the name of Jesus, right? He put his hand out like that and he said, in the name of Jesus, it was like someone went crack. Now I'm on the, on the, on the, in the doorway of my house. All my gangster mates are down the back smoking crack and he's praying over the top of me like this. And my mates come out of the room with guns and they're going, hey, hey, bro, how come you're on the ground? And Pastor Ken's looking out like this and they said, how come he's on the ground? And he goes, well, ask him. Well, he ain't saying anything. And he goes, well, I just asked him if I could pray for him. They said, pray about what? He said, pray to have an encounter with Jesus. And they went, nah, I don't think so. And um, so when I get off the ground, Pastor Ken says, would you like a hug? Would I like a what? <laughs> I've been in darkness for so long. He goes, I want to give you a hug. I say, oh, you're a strange man. Now, if a pastor, right, asks for your telephone, don't give him your telephone number. In my experience, because every day my phone would ring, right, I'd be looking at the phone going, that's a crazy pastor. Always trying to invite me to church, come, come sing and worship with them. Trying to turn the phone off, hide it under the seat. When the doorbell would ring at our place, it's usually the police. So if it was your turn to look out the side of the curtain and pass the king was on our doorstep, all these guys have got guns and their kickboxes are going, the priest, guy, the priest, the priest is on the doorstep. So we're like, hide behind the couches like this. Look out the side of the window until he's gone. Now I'm in court. I'm always in trouble with the police. I'm sitting in court. And just on the right-hand side of me, just where David's sitting with two little old ladies, no one else in the courtroom, and I'm looking forward. I paid lawyers big money to tell lies. Get me off. These ladies were smiling at me, and I built up the courage to ask her a question. One of the ladies said, you're in the right courtroom. She goes, yes, yes, yes. You're Owen Pumana. Yes, my name. We're Pastor Ken's friends. Oh, my God. <laughs> These Christians are relentless. They come to the courtroom and I put my hand up and I says, lady, do you know why I'm in court? She says, no. 
I said, lady, I've got guns. I do armed robberies. I'm smacked on crack and I'm going to prison for a long time. I'm not really a nice person. You don't have to come to court to see me. She said, do you know Jesus loves you? <laughs> I said, like, my hand up. Now Pastor Ken tricks me. He says, I want to take you somewhere special, Owen, but you've got to come to my place. We've got a spare room in the garage. I said, Pastor Ken, you've been to my apartment. I've got three spare bedrooms. Why would I want to come to your garage? He goes, because I want to take you somewhere. He goes, I'm going to come pick you up. I'm not taking no for an answer. So he brought me back to his place, and uh, there was a room in the garage, and he came out. He said, you ever read the Bible before? I said, no, nah, not really. I tried on the beach, but no, nah, not really. Gave me an old King James Bible. Have you ever read an old King James Bible for your first read? <laughs> How do you understand the words, right? So anyway, he said, just read the book of John. So I went into the garage, I locked the door, and I jumped on the bed in my drug state, found the book of John, and I opened it up and just looked at the words and went, hey, <laughs> what a stupid book. And I just biffed it on the ground. All right, a couple of hours later, pick it up, try and make some sense, but nothing. And then he knocked on the door and he said, come on, let's go. So well, I want to take you to my special place. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I wonder where we're going to go. He must like to drink or something. So we went past the Cullingate pub. So you, you want to go in there for a drink? He goes, we're not going to the bar. Oh, okay. We went past the strip joint. You want to go watch the girls? He goes, we're not going to watch the girls. Where are you taking me? He goes, you'll see. So we came to a park and there were homeless people. I've been homeless before. I went to Australia with a broken heart. I want to tell you I was educated. I did seven and a half years in the Royal New Zealand Navy. Joined as a seaman gunner rate, did many courses and did my Navy ship's divers course. And um, when I left the Navy, I became a professional bodybuilder, represented New Zealand at national and international level. Fell in love at the age of 25 and wanted to come back from America, settle down and have kids and all that sort of stuff. This girl was the most beautiful girl in Napier. And everyone knew it. And even my best friend, I said to him when I went away, look after my missus when I go, cousin, when I'll see you when I get back. But when I came back, he'd been looking after my missus. So um, as a result of that, you know, I... Um, to be told that my best friend was sleeping with my missus, I turned up on their doorstep and I knocked on the door and she answered. She said, you know, it's finished, eh? I said, yeah, no, I get all that, but I'm not really here to see you. I'm here to see Raymond. She says, well, I'm going to call the police right now. You better go. And I said, call the ambulance at the same time. Raymond, get out here. So I beat my friend up and I wanted to commit suicide. I became a uh, bitter alcoholic. I couldn't jump off the cliff. All I had to do was take one step. I don't know if you've done that before, but I chickened out after two hours and I became a bitter, angry man. Took off to Australia, ran out of money, and became homeless in the streets of King's Cross. I lived in a, in a park called Rushcutters Bay. I found a flax bush and had a cardboard box. I'd get up in the morning and have a public uh, wash in the public toilets. I'd wander the streets and made friends with street kids. And then I met people in the underworld, and they took me in. So anyway, I'm watching this man minister to all these homeless people. When he came back to the car, I said, what are you trying to show me? He said, do you know anything about Jesus, Owen? I said, no, I told you, I don't know anything. What, is Jesus like you or something? And he goes, well, have a look over the back seat. What do you see? I see blankets, I see clothes, and I see sandwiches. He goes, you know, my wife makes those sandwiches. She likes to make sandwiches for homeless people. I said, bro, you don't even know their names. He said, we don't have to know their names. It's not important to us, but we just come out there in, in the hope that we could find someone and we could, we could tell them about Jesus. We're not trying to convince people they should become Christians, but when we have an opportunity, we'll make them known. In that instance, I saw my life go before me like many of you have. The weight of my sin, the heaviness was so dark. All I could say to Pastor Ken was, bro, can you help me? 
Can you help me? He said, well, can I tell you the truth? Sure. He said, I don't want you to be offended, but this is what I know about you. You're a drug addict. I said, yeah, I'm a drug addict. Boy, you've got many problems. Yeah, I've got many problems, Pastor Ken. He said, you're probably going back to prison again, which was true. I said, yeah, I'm going back to prison. He said, could you leave that life of darkness up and could you, could you just could you leave it behind? I said, I don't know. He goes, what about peace? Do you have peace in your life? I said, no, not really. I don't have any peace. All my friends are dead. They're locked in prison. It's a never-ending cycle going around in the mountain, and that's what the devil wants you and I to do. He, doesn't want you, he wants you to be deaf and dumb. Right? It says, by the word of the Lord, the world's reframed. Right? So you and I need a word from the Lord. And if it is a word from the Lord, you could become a history maker and a game changer in the kingdom. And that's why God is, is, is amazing. So anyway, um, we went back home, and I was able to come out with his book, the King James Bible, and it says, listen, I don't understand the words in your book. Now, you've got to get one of these. If you got get several of them, get them. He gave me a kid's book with pictures, comic book, the Bible. So I went away into the room, and I started to read the pictures. Now, two pictures stopped me in my tracks, and the first one was all these angry people were around Jesus, and he was covered in blood, and they looked real angry. And this was my response. I wonder what he's done to get a hiding. It's true. I wonder what he's done to get a beating. You get a hiding because you've done something wrong and where we live. So then the next picture really confused me because now he's on this wooden thing saying, Father, forgive them. I'm looking at that picture back there going, no way. How could you forgive them for putting you on that thing? So I came out and said, your book confuses me, Pastor Ken. I got a similar story where the hell's angels are trying to kill me. I hate them. I'm going to blow them all up. I'm going to kill them all. He goes, boy, why are you so angry? How come you're so angry? Do you want to sit down and talk with me? I said, no, not really. He said, why not? Because you just tell me that religious stuff and you'll just judge me. I'm not up for it. I'm just going to get up and walk out of here. And he goes, come on, let me help you. I said, no one can help me. Can I ask you three questions? Sure. When we were out in the street the other day, you know, the, the God that sits up there, the holy one, you tell me, God's holy, right? Yeah, God's holy. I'm not holy, Pastor Ken. I'm not holy. You tell me that, that Jesus is love? He goes, yeah, Jesus is love. I said, the only love I remember is catching my best friend in bed with my missus. I never forgot that, 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 that time. Do you think Jesus loves messed up people like me? He said, yeah. He said, Nobody told me they loved me when I was homeless in the street. Third question was forgiveness. I don't believe Jesus could forgive me of all the things that I've done. If you would ask me to write in a book the stuff, I'd fill your book up. Why would you waste your time with a person like me? Why don't you just pick somebody else in the street you know, on that park bench that have not been to prison, got guns or are violent. I'm a violent person. Why me? And just as we heard Brother David speak before, he said, the Lord gives us a hope and he gives us a future. And I couldn't see past that at all. But what I saw in Pastor Ken was love and compassion. It says in the Bible that there's a friend that sticks closer. Most times, right, when we want to help someone, we think we have, to, we have to fix their problem there and then. But Pastor Ken had wisdom, right? I started to tell my story, and he didn't offer any advice. His arm went around me like that, and he just wept. And he cried, and he cried, and he cuddled me. As I poured my heart out, I didn't tell him everything about my life, but it was so heavy, and it was so dark, like many of your stories. And uh, it didn't just happen there and then, where I want to give my heart to Jesus, sing Kumbaya, and come to church. It was a process for me, and it's a process for many, because you don't understand the language of the Bible. Right? When you go into the street, my experience, people don't understand the language. They don't know what a tabernacle is. They don't know what a Pharisee is. They don't know anything. But when you become their friend, 
they can understand that. If you just become a friend, they'll ask you questions. You're a Christian, eh? Yeah, I'm a Christian. How come you don't try and shove that stuff down our throat? The gospel message, they call it that shove that stuff. I said, don't be alarmed with these people. They have a, the motive of their heart is good. All right? They're just expressing love. We're speaking the same language. You're just hearing it different from me. They speak the same language of me. I just want to become your friend. And then as you work with the one, he empowers them through your story as you start to share. And then the eyes, their understanding come open, the ears come open, and they encounter the cross for the first time. And they will come. We don't have to try and convince people of anything. They need to encounter, like I did on the beach, like many of you do. I want to tell you, when I went to prison, the Word of God in closing has more power than a fist and a gun. Because when I try to tell the stories of the Bible to all these gangsters, because they knew I was crazy, I'm trying to remember the story. Says, you know, there's no one more tougher than Jesus, eh? And the guys would look at me and go, yeah, who's that? Well, he didn't need a patch on his back, and he didn't need people to stand beside him. He could just walk through darkness. And when this big storm would come up, he'd stand on the boat and go, peace! And these guys would be like, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy. I'll go back to my cell, and everybody else is listening to gangster music. And I'm listening to hill songs, right? Telling God no one wants to hear his story. And then it happened as I started to share stories. Bad people would come and say, Preacher, could Jesus forgive me? Yeah. As I listened to their stories like mine, habitation, God's presence would invade prison cells and one after the other. 81 men came to the Lord, praise the Lord, in Queensland prisons. 81 is a significant number because it's the insignia of the hell's angels. Heaven's angels invaded prisons in Australia. Jesus set me free. He gave me a promise and he said it through a lady called Heidi Baker. A young man, listen to me right now. You hear my voice. God is going to give you plane tickets and visas to nations. You're going to go to 30 nations and you're going to go to Pakistan in 2011 and you're going to record hundreds of thousands of people coming into the kingdom and where God sends you. I want to tell you that was a true word. I jumped on a plane in 2010 $48 to my name, and I went to Pakistan, and I can declare to you today, I have a passport on me now that has a stamp that says kicked out of Australia. This is my current passport. Right on the back page, I was detained for three hours the other night. That's a kicked out of Australia stamp in 2014, because I tried to go back in. And all these pages all the way along, I have Islamic nations from Iran to Iraq to Pakistan, all these nations. People said, don't travel to these nations. You won't even get into Israel. I said, that's not what God said. It sounds crazy. You would forfeit $9,300 worth of tickets for other people's money to, to get kicked out of Australia, uh, Israel. I said, God's opened the door. I'm going on this passport. And this passport here is a testimony that nothing is impossible in Christ Jesus. He took me into nations to show me his heart. I've met people just like you who have no names in ministry, who serve the Lord. I've served all my life in these ministries, I've seen the goodness of God working in and through people, child prostitution, human trafficking, prisons, drug rehabs, schools, universities. The ministry of Jesus has no boundaries. It has none. The kingdom of heaven's resources are different from our banking system. If you believe and doubt not in your heart that God can use you, make a vow unto the Lord, it says, to keep it. You know, pay your, pay your oath to the Lord. All right, just bow your head for me because I want to pray for you and, and with you because I believe God's doing a work in many of your hearts because you, your faith levels from here on in are going to change. I pray that the Lord has given many of you visions. Habakkuk 2.2, write the vision. My brother talked about a pen of a steady writer. 
There's an action that comes with vision and there's a price that needs to be paid. The price was paid by Christ, but if you're willing to go for, for Jesus in your local community, in your workplace, and even to your family, you don't have to go overseas to be used of God in His kingdom. You just have to be a willing vessel that says, Here I am, Lord, send me. And if you make that, if you make that uh, cry unto the Lord, He will honor you. Pay your vow unto the Lord because nothing's impossible. Abba, Father, in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come before you and we thank you for the testimony of Jesus as the spirit of prophecy. I thank you, Lord, that you've called a peculiar people for such a time as this because times are short. And Lord, you're stirring in the hearts dreams. You're revisiting dreams that you place in people's hearts that thought God isn't going to bring this to pass. I want to tell you that God's revisiting those dreams. And if you'd build yourself up in the Word of God and you would believe and culminate time in His presence to seek His face whilst He can be found, you'll hear His still voice saying, Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Seek the Lord while He can be found. Father, I thank You. Give them eyes to see. Give them ears to hear the Spirit of God. May the Spirit of God empower you and teach you in the oracles and the mysteries of the kingdom for such a time as this. Let them disappear so that they can appear in your place, Lord, that they would be conduits of your love and your compassion. That's the foundation of the gospel message, Lord, is that they would testify of the love of Christ. Then they will know that you're my disciples, says the Lord, when you love one another. Lord, let them come into your house day in, day out, and let them pray unto you and catch them up as a corporate body and show them what was, what is, what is to come, says the Lord. Father, so I thank you that you hear our, our prayers today and you've heard our stories. We give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. I'm going to stay up here and others have a ministry team afterwards. And if you need prayer, please don't leave without getting prayer. We'll stay as long as it takes uh, for you to be able to, to, to encounter the Lord's presence. May the Lord bless you and make his face to shine upon you. I give him all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.